Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. On the Sporting Couch with Gary Bloom. Welcome to On the Sporting Couch, a programme about good mental health in sport. I'm Gary Bloom, a sports psychotherapist, and that means I work with all sorts of people, but often sportsmen and women, who are struggling or who have struggled in their day-to-day lives with issues like depression, anxiety, addictive behaviours, performance issues and end-of-career problems. I'm doing this project to widen the understanding of mental health issues in sport and beyond and give a taste of what goes on between therapist, me, and the person today who's on the sporting couch. Meet one of the most loved footballers ever to play in Britain. Stylian Petra for 3-1. That's the goal which ensures the Scottish Cup is going to be in Celtic hands. Villa sensing the possibility of a win. It's Petra! 2-1 Aston Villa! Stylian Petrov played more than 200 times for Celtic and another 185 games for Aston Villa in a career that spanned just over 10 years and he played more than 100 games for Bulgaria, captaining the national side. But in 2012 he had the toughest fight of his life when he was diagnosed with acute leukaemia. Later in the year, Stillian announced he was in remission and has worked tirelessly to raise money for cancer charities and raise awareness for the illness. He's still in remission and is now studying for a master's degree with UEFA. Once upon a time, I'll tell you a story about me, I was sent to Barcelona to do some interviews and I was standing on the pitch interviewing Ronald Koeman and a ball fizzed past my head and knocked the camera over where we were interviewing. And who had kicked the football was another Bulgarian player who played for Barcelona. Stoichkov. Okay. <laughs> and I thought to myself, why would he do something like that? And I know you've had your battles with Christo. We had our differences. Um, maybe it was a little bit more naive from me. Uh, I've, uh, we had our differences in a national team. Um, Did you like him? Uh, I loved him. I still love him. Uh, he's my. He was. He's still my idol. We've uh, we've achieved so much for Bulgarian football. He achieved so much as an individual. 
He was a very difficult character, I'll put it that way. But sometimes we need to understand that people grow up and, and, and act differently. You just can't change people. Uh, I haven't agreed with a couple of things. I remember when he was the manager, I've retired because of certain things. You know, I've, I've walked out, I've retired. Uh, I've said a couple of things. Then I realized, you know what? I'm making a mistake here. So you apologized to Christos. I apologize. And you know what? His words was, you know what? I've been there. I know how difficult it is. You're a young boy. You can walk in my team tomorrow because you've got the honor and the courage to come and say sorry, which not many people can do that. And that was our conversation. And, and I will speak straight in the next game. And there's the honesty. Yes. I, uh, you know, and I suffer from this honesty because then the press went on my back, uh, you know. And it wasn't about the football anymore. It's about the mental strength to turn people around again in my favour because people love me there. I always give everything for my national team. I always talked about how you need to play, you know, the mental strength, the love about uh, about playing for your national team. And then all of a sudden I retired, I come back. So a lot of mixed uh, views about it. And I had more mental, I need to have a, I need to be stronger mentally than actually to show what kind of footballer I am. Then I've become, from showing my quality in the pitch, then I needed to fight in my head to show everyone how strong I am, that I can uh, avoid, you know, all the press that criticize me. I wasn't playing very well for a national team. And it's not just the performance, but the mental tiredness for me. It was a big issue. And, you know, saying that, my wife still blamed that, you know, because of that. Blamed. Blame, uh, blame me that, uh, you know, I went back and, uh, you know, I've played for a national team and under a lot of stress. So, you, so your wife, let me get this right. Your wife is saying that... We're my, talking about the mental strength. The mental strength. Yeah, this is what this yeah, program's about. Yeah. What you're saying is your wife said to you that the by going back to play for the Bulgarian national football team, you brought onto yourself and... Pressure. The pressure and her, because obviously she's married yes. to Yes. And I'm wondering what she's saying by saying you brought stress back into your life. It was she also saying the possibility of illness into your life. I was diagnosed with, with leukemia just a couple months before I got back from the national team. We had a match, you know, we had a national team. And I remember that um, I wasn't speaking with the press for uh, for many months and um, I won't mention the name of the, uh, of the, of the coach, but... Uh, I was told that if I don't speak, we see that that's how football go and you need to decide mentally what you need to do. I was told that, you know, if you don't speak with the press, we'll take the captaincy off you. So you were told by the Bulgarian yes. coach? Yes, at that time I didn't speak. I got back from the national team and I didn't speak for the, with the press for literally probably one and a half year. Why didn't you speak to the press? Uh, because, I'll tell you why, uh, a lot of people say, why did you do it? And I say, well, I'll do it because when I got back from the national team, they were really heavy on me. Uh, it was a lot of bad story about stuff uh, about the family, about me, you know, quitting and going back and not being strong mentally enough to, to be strong. And I said to them, you know what? At that time, I wasn't playing for Aston Villa as well. So I said, I will stop talking to them and I'll show them that I can play and I'll get their trust back by playing football, not by talking on the press. And, you know, I was made to go on the press that time. And when I go back from the national team, my wife said, you look really exhausted. You look really tired. Are you okay? Because I had a really difficult week. 
I was put at the end of it. They told me that we'll take the captaincy. Uh, I need to make a decision. If not, you know, you need to make a decision. And I, you know, my head was all over the place. And, you know, we're talking about mental strength, ability to control yourself, ability to to make a decision under a, a big stress level about, you know, you're fighting for your life to become somebody. It's a really tough question, and I'm going to apologise for asking. No, for it. Do you think football made you ill and gave you the gave you the disease that you have fought so hard to bring attention to? Uh, my and, wife blame it. I'll put it that way. Well, your wife says yes. Yeah, I'm more interested well, what Stan we, says. We talk, uh, Give me I'll an answer. I'll say so. I'll say so, and I'll t- I'll tell you why. Because when I um linking to what we do today and having my foundation and helping hospital researchers, speaking with a lot of doctors, everything about is about the immune system. My leukemia is acute lymphoblastic leukemia and is an immune system. And they say usually your cells can turn sometime, and obviously you may have an gene, but they can turn when your immune system is under stress and low. And what I had, a lot of traveling, a lot of games, a lot of stress, so all these have put together. You know, I've learned my uh, immune system. I remember when, when I was diagnosed, my um, hemoglobin, that's the, 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 the strength of the blood, yeah? It, it, I was about uh, uh, 11 and a half, which is very low. For a footballer, we should be about 13, 14. So you've seen that I've, I've actually, my immune system has learned and I had the cancer in the blood. Do you blame anybody else except yourself? Uh, I'll blame myself. I've kept everything in. I do. I do blame you myself. You don't blame anybody inside no. the Bulgarian FA? I never, I never blame anyone. Uh, I think we make our own path. We, we make our own decisions. And that's why people say, as the brain is so powerful, you need to make a decision. You need to do it in, in a split of a second. And sometimes we say words and we feel sorry for it. But I've kept everything in. I, I, in football, I always respect people. I always thought that I need to be nice to people. I tr- I need to treat them right. Uh, I probably could have said a lot of stuff that I've kept in. Uh, I was hurt a lot, but I've never I never really said. Uh, I was that kind of person, and if I need to go back again, that'll be the only things that I'll change. I'll actually express myself better, and I won't keep things in. Let's go back to the very start of your life, growing up in Bulgaria. Alyosha, your dad has a major impact on you growing up in your early life. Yes, a major impact of um, making me realise what I really want. He said to me once that um, if you want to play football, you need to put the work in. It needs to be a very, very hard work. And he made it clear for me from the start that uh, it's not just about the talent. You need to be a character. You need to be stronger than everyone. Because sometimes he said to me, he saw that other kids were, were better than me, but then you make me work and work and work to practice everything for me to get better. Whose agenda was this? His or yours? Uh, it was his intention was my desire because I wanted to become a footballer. I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to... To make sure that you know, we're talking about Stoichkov, we're talking about Balakov, Lechkov. This is the we had a great generation to look up to. They they've become fourth in the world in '94 in USA. The country was uh, was uh, uh, all, all over the street, and we wanted to be like them. I wanted to be like them. I wanted to achieve, but I knew 
will tell a hell of a lot of work because I need to work. You know, sometimes these days, young kids think, oh, I've done my work in training and I'll just go back and I'll play a PlayStation. I'll be on the social media. And I used to become a footballer by doing my work, extra work, outside training. I'm going to go a bit deeper. Your dad's an ex-pro, played professional football. Did you want it badly? Did you have the desire because you wanted to please him? I didn't want to please him. Uh, I, I wanted to actually be better than him. Was that it? Because uh, when I was growing up, everybody was talking about... My, my dad was playing midfielder. He was a left footer. He was incredibly technical. But like his dad um, used to say to me, your dad could have achieved a lot of things if he wasn't lazy enough. Was he living his life, perhaps, through you and saying, look, I messed up. I didn't want it badly enough, but... He has two boys, Ivan and yourself. Ivan, you said, was a better footballer than you. He was better talent. But, but my, he didn't have the desire, I'm guessing. No, he didn't have the desire. He, 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 didn't, he, he wasn't willing to sacrifice because to become something, you need to sacrifice. I'm asking you, did your dad, through you, try and rectify the mistakes he might have made as a younger man? Pro probably, probably because uh, he saw that what I was... I was Everybody was talking about early stage that I was something special. I was always playing with the older boys. They always saw something in me. And I think he saw that, that he never made it in a national team. He never made it abroad. He, 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 he just couldn't get to that next level that he saw me opportunity. You know what? He can do it. Probably that was his dream. And he saw in me and he pushed me as hard as he can. When you left Bulgaria, age 19, to go to Celtic, were there some feelings of homesickness? Did you miss mum and dad? Uh, no, because I already moved from my local town, Montana. I moved to CSK Sofia in Sofia. So I, I was uh, I was 17 when I moved away from home. I, I already, I, I was in Sofia for, for two years already. I was living with uh, Martin Petrov, who's, uh, after he ended up playing for uh, Wolfsburg, Atletico Madrid, you know, uh, Man City. So we lived together. For, for two for two years, don't forget that I went in army as well, which that was uh, to be mentally very strong. Bear in mind, you know, you you they, they were talking about me and Martin being one of the biggest talents in 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 the world in in Bulgaria. You know, to be the next big thing, and all of a sudden, you need to go in the army and just forget about football. Subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app and never miss an episode. This is On The Sporting Couch, a programme about good mental health in sport. I'm Gary Bloom, a psychotherapist, and with me in the studio is former Aston Villa and Celtic player Stylian Petrov. What did the army do to you as an individual? Uh, give me a great discipline. Um, I, I really understood what the friendship really means and how you need to find for a friendship. Did you think it gave you certain values that you've kept all your life? Through? Yes, I, I already had values that I've developed beyond you know, the respect that, to appreciate. But when you're in the army and when you live with an, a, a 120 uh, boys, you, I really understood how important is the teamwork to understand people, to actually work with people because we had so many kids. We have different 
sports people, we had wrestlers, we've got volleyball players, we had footballers. So it's different characters. So to adjust to their way of thinking was completely different. And I think that gave me the strength to, to really understand the teamwork. So a huge cultural change when at 19 you leave home and you arrive in Scotland to play for Celtic. You don't speak any English. That must have been a huge, huge learning curve for you. Uh, it was. Uh, I wanted to become somebody in football. Uh, I had this opportunity. Um, and when you have opportunity like that, we always fear what's going to happen, what's going to be the end of it. I went without actually, without a fear to actually what I'm going to achieve. If I stay in Bulgaria, I would have, um, have been comfortable. I was in a national team. Mentally, I was in a good place. I was playing in one of the biggest clubs in uh, in Bulgaria. Press was uh, uh, adoring me. They, they they thought that I was going to be the next biggest the biggest thing. I could have stayed there. Maybe I could never develop the way I've developed when I moved. By going to Celtic, I've experienced something different: different culture, uh, better players, quicker football. Uh, everything was completely different. And all of a sudden, from being so comfortable to being you know, the biggest star in uh, in Bulgaria, I'm going to be nobody. I need to start from the from scratch, thinking about I need to show everybody what I can do, how good I am, how how strong I am mentally. But it didn't start well for me. It was it was a nightmare for me. What happened? Obviously, when I went there, I was I was overweight. Uh, I didn't speak the the language. They were playing me in a, in the right back position, which I never I've never played. Uh, the team wasn't doing uh, very well, so that didn't really work for me. Then John Barnes left, then Kenny De Gleish left, and uh, I had uh, Martin O'Neill as a manager. So I remember when Martin O'Neill came, and you see a new manager, you're happy. But I remember going back, going back to a preseason with about eight kilos overweight, unacceptable. But that was that was the way I was in Bulgaria. You go in in the preseason, and you know you work for six weeks, you lose it, and you fit for the season. But in Scotland, in England, they don't accept that. You need to be fit for the first day. And for me, that mentality it wasn't there. I wasn't thinking that way. So we've done a blip test, and Martin, you actually asked one of the doctors. He said, uh, "Is that one of the physios that actually tried to get fit with the boys?" <laughs> And uh, what an insult. It's a, it is an insult, but I've brought that to me. But you see now, the mental thing is, Martin you didn't say it straight to me. He asked the doctor and the doctor told him, you know, he's a, he's a good boy. Apparently he's, he's a good talent. You, you know, you should give him a chance. So the first week we trained, obviously I've trained well, but you can see I could, my mobility wasn't the best. Mm. So Martin you pulled me, mental thing, and he said to me, First of all, I'd like to say that I like what you're offering at the moment. I think you're very unfit and I'll give you six weeks. You have six weeks to prove me that I'm wrong and to prove me that I can give you a new contract because I think this contract you've signed is not good enough for the, what everybody's saying, how good you are. For six weeks, I need to mentally be strong and eat only greens. I'm talking about vegetable salad. So I can go down to the way that they want me. But a week before the six week, before we start the season, I've played, I've lost all the, everything, and I was actually two kilos under what they want me to. 
I've played a couple of friendly games. He was satisfied. He saw it and he pulled me in. And we, I always talk about the man, and he was one of the best man-to-man -man management, talking with people and encourage people. So he pulled me in. He had the offer already in, uh, written in a contract. He said, I'm increasing your contract. You showed great desire. You showed great mental strength. I was watching you every day, what you eat, what, how much work you've done. You've stayed behind everyone. And you know what? I need players like that. Since he said that to me, I've never looked back. And every day you want, everything he asked me to do, I've done it for him because he trusts me and he showed me in his head, he know how good I am and what I can do. In that period when you're proving yourself, was it stressful? It was stressful. Because um, we've come back to the, th the topic of stress again, Stillian, don't we? Ultimately, you paid a huge price for the amount of stress that you put yourself under over a long period of time, Stillian. Uh, yes, and a lot of people talking about it. A lot of people talking about the the stress level in sport, uh, the uh, exhausted of the player, too many games, uh, how fit the pl the players can get. You know, heart attacks, mental strength, people struggling after. You know, football. I think a lot. I've got a lot of friends that are struggling because the intensity, the pressure. And when you're into that pressure, the adrenaline kick in. You miss that when you finish football, and a lot of people, a lot of struggle, and a lot of ex-football, a lot of sports people are struggling to deal with that kind of uh, mental uh, adjustment. I'm going to throw another element of stress into the conversation, something that you were very open with me when we spoke on the telephone the other day, and you talked about the financial pressures that were on you and the insecurities that were on you in your early days as a professional footballer in Britain. Uh, yeah, uh, my um, my first contract was uh, wasn't the best. Um, first of all, um, it was about three hundred pounds a week. I was moved to a, a five bedroom house. I don't remember. I was only nineteen years old. I've never lived in a house like that. I'm in a in a, a different environment. Uh, I need to pay extra rent. I need to pay tax uh, on on it, council tax. I need to pay my bills. I haven't opened my letters for about three months. So you can imagine the staggering bills for that for that period of time was quite huge. I didn't know when I need to pay my council tax. I, I the, the bank that have uh, Celtic open a uh, account, they've sent me a, a credit card. I, I didn't know the pins. I didn't know how to use it. This why, is what why didn't I you need ask? To... Well, who, and I'm going to ask you a really... Who, who I could have asked? Who was your was... friend at Celtic? Did you have a friend at Celtic who you could say to, look, I don't understand this. Can you help me? Uh, I would blame my agent. At that time, this is the time when the, actually the agents come around. Uh, agents signed the deal. If send me on the flight on my own, I've landed at the, in Glasgow first day. It was about six guys from uh, from the from the club waiting for me. It was about twenty journalists. They're waiting for me to say a word. I didn't have anyone. Of who, who did you turn to in the end, Sadin? At the end, um, it was a it was a guy who worked as a security at, at Celtic Park. It's called Brian Wilson. Uh, obviously, he, one one game he saw that I was hurt, and I couldn't explain to the physio what happened to me. I come out of the game, and he say, "I'll give, can I give you a lift?" So he offered the lift. I spoke with, uh, oh, I didn't speak. Uh, he said that you give me a lift, so he gave me a lift, and we started to have a little chat. Somebody who I didn't know, if not is how much I've struggled, and he offered his help. And we've become the best friends. He's become my, I call him Scottish father. 
because <laughs> he looked after me. When he came to the house on the next day when he brought me out of the training, he saw the pile of, of uh, letters that big. So he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, obviously I knew that he wanted to look. I said, yes. So he started looking and he, was, he could see red, 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 <laughs> red, red. When he said, starts saying red, 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 obviously I, I know what he's now about. So he spoke with somebody at the club. At that time, the club said, okay, we're going to get interpreter for you because they saw I'm struggling uh, massively. So they had a young boy from uh, Edinburgh University to come and help me a little bit. They moved me to a smaller flat that I could actually afford. They can, that was on my contract. They can pay the, the rent, so I don't need to pay extra. Uh, Brian then started calling Orange uh, City uh, Council, you know, uh, different um, electricity bill, everybody, so we can start working a payment plan. But for me at that time, I needed to perform, but I couldn't because my head is now, I can't deal with that. What I've done, what kind of contract I've signed. I, I all of a sudden, like you say, my naivety, yeah, I was very naive. Obviously, I find a very difficult uh, situation. Instead of me dealing in a, in a pitch physically, what I can do best, now I'm mentally not ready to perform or be able to perform because of everything, all the issues outside football. Actually, what's coming out in our conversation is your ill-preparedness to take the steps that in some respects you're desperate to take, but you're not quite mentally ready and you, there seems to be a lag to me that you have to try and catch up. Your career at that stage is all about catching up. Would you agree with me? Yeah, of course. And, um, and that know, causes enormous stress on you. Enormous stress. But what I'll, I'll blame for you, you know, going to schools these days, they teach you about everything, but they actually don't teach you what your life is all about. But actually, the real problems in life, I couldn't deal with it. Let's fast forward. You have a very successful career at Celtic. Martin O'Neill goes to Aston Villa, takes you with him to Aston Villa. You have um, six years at Villa in a successful team. And then in 2012, disaster, personal disaster strikes you. Can you just talk, talk us through the emotional landscape of learning that you've got acute leukemia? Well, I had a little cold that week. And uh, I didn't find out, really. I didn't put it through my head that actually I've got cancer. I've got leukemia, that everything I need to deal with. It was just one as a normal person, you know, you've got a little cold and you, as a footballer, you run off, you sweat out and you're ready. But the problem for me was at the Arsenal game, you know that sometimes you've got bad times, you've got uh, tiredness, but you go through it. But this is a, was different kind of tiredness. My tiredness was in the brain. I, I couldn't do anything. It's all of a sudden... I wanted to do stuff, my legs wanted to go, my brain didn't want to go. So I knew something's wrong, I knew that something wasn't right. Uh, so, so your body wants to, wants to play, your body wants to fight, but somewhere in your unconscious, as we call it, something is saying, sorry mate, we're out of we, here. We're out of it, and it's something's happening. And then we had our, our heart check because the previous week, is what happened with Fabrice Moamba okay. on the pitch. So the doctor say, let's ju just do a, a checkup on your heart, a blood test. 
And from a blood, blood test for the next two days, the, the doctor kept telling me everything is all right. We need to do another a blood test. Uh, and then on, I remember that week on Thursday, he said to me, uh, you need to go to the hospital. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. So. Subscribe to this podcast on your podcast app and never miss an episode. Welcome back to On the Sporting Couch, a psychological profile of one of our leading sportsmen or women. In the studio this week, Stylian Petrov, the former Celtic and Aston Villa player. In 2012, he had the toughest fight of his life when he was diagnosed with acute leukaemia. What was your reaction when they broke the news to you? First of all, I need to call my wife. I didn't cry. I wanted to cry, but I wanted to stay strong on the phone for my wife. What did you say to her? Uh, she was on her way down to London. Uh, I called and I say, um, listen, um, I'm in the hospital. I'm having a few more tests. Uh, I think you need to turn back and come back. Because obviously when I walked in, they told me, now, the way we talked about it, the doctor sat across me and he said, uh, we think you've got uh, leukemia. Now, it's not preparation, it's not anything that, you know, you'll calm you down. We're 99% certain you've got leukaemia. And only a 25% chance of surviving. Of surviving. You said to me you cried for 20 seconds. 20 seconds. That's what after my, I've called my wife. Um, I've told her she needs to turn back, put the phone down, and I burst crying. It took me 20 seconds. I remember it was very quick. I realized how serious it is. I said to myself, if I start crying, my, my wife is very emotional. I've got two very good kids, younger kids. Uh, I need to be strong. Like I've always been. But Stilene, if somebody told me, broke that news to me, I'd have cried for more than 20 seconds. I've cried after, but at that moment, I couldn't cry. I could, I've cried for 20 seconds and I need to be strong. And my wife walked in, and when I've told her, I broke the news to her, as I said, I've got the thing, I've got leukemia. She just burst crying, and I was closer to go again. I've cuddled her, and I said, listen, I'll tell you one thing. 
It's going to be a long journey. I didn't tell her that told me there's going to be three years treatment. I said it's going to be a long journey, but we'll go through it like we went through everything else. And you know what? She felt, she felt calmer. She said, but do you really, you know what is leukemia? And I say, yeah, I, I know. We both know. Uh, but we'll be fine. We'll be fine because I, I should have not say, I say, yeah, but they say it's 25% chance to survive. And she just went, she just went and say, what do you mean 25%? This 25% is not enough. So now I needed to, from actually breaking a bad news to her, I need to turn it to a good news. I say, well, if I tell you that I've got 25% to survive, probably then 0%, what would you take? She went, she, she cleared her eyes and she went, you know what? I, I see where you're going. Say, stick with me. Let's see what they're going to say and we'll take in the next couple of days. This is going to be a weird question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. I've, I've, I've heard a lot of weird questions. I don't <laughs> think that'll be a weird question. In that 20 seconds crying or subsequent crying, if those tears could have said something, what would the tears have said? Why me? That was the question that still in my head. It's in my head uh, every day. It's uh, it's question for everyone. It's, it's the tears. It's uh, uh, everything around being diagnosed with cancer. We, we have that question, why me? And this tear was... Every single tear is coming out as why me, why me, why me, why me. And the next one's coming is what's wrong and what I've done wrong. Have uh, Where did that come from? You know, all these tears was all the questions. They actually, I didn't have answers. Have you got an answer today? Nope. Not an answer. Um, you know, what's a shame? It's um, the amount of money that has been thrown for researches, for drugs. We still can't find that cure. It kills millions. That's the, really the saddest thing because uh, it must be, and we still can't, we still can't find where it's coming from. Nobody knows. And you know, the, the hardest moment for me was I could never say, yes, you'll be fine. Can you say that to yourself today? Uh, no, because, you know, every time I go for a blood test, you know, the doctors will remind me what I've been through, what's happening. They always say, you know, they're saying uh, that you've got five risky years and they come back and, you know, it's always going to be behind me. It's always going to look after me. And people say to me, how you deal with it? I say, I don't think about it. Do you feel you're living under a death sentence? Um, yes. I think we are. It's just, it's brought to me quicker than somebody else, you know? It's, it's more risk than anybody else. But like I say, it's more risk. People say, oh, what's happened if you come back? And I always give them the answer, well, we didn't expect in the first place. So I don't, I don't really know how to answer this question. I'm going to ask another tough question. Has the fact that you've lived under this death sentence altered the way that you've lived your life? Of course. Explain. Of course. I've changed completely different stress level. Uh, I've tried to keep it as minimal as I can. I try to enjoy every single moment in my life. Um, I think sometimes we become naive in life, you know. We don't appreciate little things. I want to appreciate my boys. You know, my boys seeing me in a state uh, that kids should never see their parents. And your son needed therapy, didn't he? Yeah, of course. Uh, he, st he still go to it. 
they still go to it. You know, we 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 found that that is he kept um, uh, very deep. Uh, he had issues. Um, now he's more open to it. He's fifteen now. He he talks about it very openly. He he, he told us how how hard it was with him. It was very difficult for them. Now to break this mental mental worry is very difficult. Uh, you need to work day in and day out, and it's not a quick process that you talk about. Okay, you have a therapy for a year. It may be a therapy for all his life. I'm a bit confused, and I'll tell you how why I'm confused. You're currently doing a master's degree on behalf of UEFA to go back into football in an administrative role. If football has made you ill, why on earth would you want to go back into it? You you work with people. You you work with the people that you actually appoint. You structure a club, uh, and you actually have got more time. You're behind the scenes. You can sometimes do a mistake without being under pressure. But being in the front line as a, a front line as a manager is completely different. Everything goes down to you. If you win on a Saturday, if you put across yourself in front of the media, do you do the right things? Every all the eyes are on you. Will I be walking in today's job? I don't know. Will I have the options? Yes, I will. Talk to us about the treatment that you've had to undergo to get to the place where you've been in remission. And I'd also ask you about the role your wife has played in supporting you. Treatment. Um, the treatment is, is, is very interesting because uh, my professor, Professor Lynch, uh, he decided to give me, I, I, I always called him, I told him, I'm your guinea pig. Because I was so fit, I was so happy to get the, the chemo so I can kill the cancer. I knew how important it was. I never complained. I never uh, argued about if I want to take uh, a chemotherapy because when you take chemotherapy, you, like we talked about, you know, that sentence, you're actually signing off drugs that you're going to receive that actually you've got, you can go in coma, you can never wake up, you can, uh, you can lose uh, your hearing, you can uh, lose your, uh, your vision. Are you signing off for this? You're signing off for this. You're looking at, I remember my wife sitting beside me and, and she'll poke me to see if I'm awake, <laughs> if, I, if I can hear her. One of the drugs, I had a slow speech. For four weeks, I, I could hardly speak because of the slow speech. That's the, the side effect. But you, you just can't say no to it. You know, talking about mental strength, about positivity, about being able to take the actually battles away from your mind. The, the hospital went crazy with me because I've asked for a treadmill. I've asked for a bossu bowl that I can do my exercise. I've asked for a, a yoga teacher. By doing that, a lot of other patients joined me, going on a bike, going on a treadmill, being able to get, you know, things that you do and getting away from all the treatment for, uh, for all the things that you actually don't want to think about. So for me, it was very important. And the, the professor loved that. Uh, I've lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of friends. Why? I've, because I've become friends with people that had treatment. Um, I had conversation with people in a, uh, in a deathbed. You know, they've, they've, they've died in, um, in a week later. And they've told me that, you know, I'm sitting there, they've been under uh, high-dose drugs because they've been told that nothing can be done for them. Uh, now, we're having a great conversation here, even here smiling. But when you sit across someone, when you've become close friend. Uh, and he's mid-20, 
and he's telling you that you only got a week to live and thanks for your friendship and you know I always look after you you know I'll look from up top what would you say what would you say you have his mom and dad beside that bed and he wanted to see me to to say goodbye <laughs> now he's sitting there you know we're talking about you know mental strength and talking about people you know we're able to speak and encourage people how you can encourage somebody like that when they've got a week to live and they say stillian i want to say goodbye to you you know i've i've took a different approach for first of all for about 5 minutes i didn't say a word uh, i've brought him i remember i've brought him a, a costa coffee we i didn't know what to say and obviously i just went to a different approach i just talk, start talking about completely different and i went to him you know what let's forget about it and just let's talk about something they want to talk about what 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 do you want to say and the next thing you want i want pizza I want pizza because I won't be able to have pizza anymore. That was that was his reaction. So all of a sudden we looked at each other and I need to go and get pizza. I'm going to ask a really hard question against it and I apologize for doing so. Have you thought about that outcome, that possibility? Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, uh I'll like to say not n- no, but uh yeah, I've did uh I'll tell you what, I've probably practiced, started practicing couple of speeches as well. Uh, but, you know, touch wood, I'm still here. Uh, kids are, uh, uh, you know, are happy for me being around. The wife is very happy being around. You know, you asked me a question about my wife. Amazing woman. Um, amazing woman. What's amazing know. about her? Everything. Um, I always say she she gave up everything for these three years for me to survive. Uh, she realized that she needs to be around me. She she done researches about diets, about, you know, drinking beetroot to clear my blood, you know, vegetables. She stay away from this, what I need to do, how I need to, you know, I need to drink a lot of water so I make sure I um, I go to the toilet and clear the chemo quicker I can so I get my counts can go back quicker. She slept in that for, for, for two years in, in a little bed, bed in the room. Not many people does that. She didn't want to leave. She she ate everything that I had. So she wants to be part of me and show me that she's with me. And you know, sometime in life we we try to find the the perfect half. And I, f- I found the perfect half. Welcome back to On the Sporting Couch, a psychological profile of one of our leading sportsmen or women. In the studio this week. Stylian Petrov, the former Celtic and Aston Villa player. Stylian, I know this is a tough question, but in your opinion, did football make you sick? Um, well, my my wife blame it. I'll say it that way. But um, what do you think? I, I I think so. I think so. You know, uh, when I obviously. Dealing now with uh, a lot of um, with people that are doing the research, with the professor, with that, it's about the immune system, and it? it's uh, my obviously the stress, my immune system was was low, so that's what it's it's about your cells, and um, when you're under stress, then your immune system is uh, it's it's low. That's where we get ill. That's where you get bacteria. That's where you get virus. That's what they say. You need to keep your immune system high, and I was under a lot of stress. In psychotherapy, we're sometimes very interested about the nature of the illness. Very often, people who have stomach pains will be sick to the stomach of something. 
I'm just wondering what it means for you, who has football in your blood, that your blood turns sick. Do you understand what I'm asking? Yes, I, I understand what I'm asking, and I'll give you the straight answer. You know, we're talking about how the illness come. You know, I've uh, I've I've never had cold. I've never been ill. That's extraordinary. I mean, we all it have... is extraordinary, and my illness is it's it's in the blood. It's cancer in the blood. It's acute lymphoblastic leukemia. That usually, a young kids has it. I hear what you're saying, but I'm just going to go back to the, the start of it, really. My interest is in the stress that professional sport places on people like yourself. And your body, like everyone's body, has a way of saying, I've had enough. This is just too much. That's where, that's where you go on overload, isn't it? That's what we're saying. That's where you, you push that extra mouth, immune system low. You're under, under pressure. You keep everything uh, in. You don't like to be exposed. You know what, what is the, the worst thing for, the, for us humans is what other people think. That's the worst thing because then the pressure comes from there. Could you have turned around to your football manager at the time and said, I'm under so much stress, I just need a couple of weeks off? Yes, but I didn't. Why? Uh, because probably as me, I, I didn't think at that time, I didn't think that that's the right thing. I need to deal. I need the manager had enough to deal with. I thought that was my responsibility to deal in my head. And more probably was wrong. Probably if I spoke to him, he would say to me, you know what, Stylian, take a week off. What is your problem? Maybe if I was more open and speak with people and let them know that the issue, I could have sort of tried to sort in my head. Sometimes, you know, you don't sort the problem. It become a bigger problem. When you get judged, you, you try to be the right, we need to do the right thing. I don't like to do that. And it become bigger pressure and bigger pressure and bigger pressure. Makes a big difference. I'd like to take you back a couple of years. You're now in remission. 2016, you ask Aston Villa whether you can try um, and play again and you start a pre-season. And it's looking like you might play professional football again. And then? Um, yeah. Um, it hurt me a lot. Uh, you know, I have always said it and I always will say it. It hurt me. What hurt, what hurt you, Stilly? Uh It hurt me that... Um, Football was taken away from me, you know. It was taken away from me because, not by my will, you know. It was taken away because I was struck with the illness. And, you know, we're talking about these days, we, we don't see players with uh, honesty, with desire, with love in the club. The club has given me a lot. The football world, the support that I had, the world itself have given me a great support. And I think Aston Villa missed the bigger picture. The bigger picture for me is, first of all, playing even if they were giving me a chance to play even a minute, a minute, they didn't see the biggest, the bigger picture. What is the bigger picture? Showing everybody who fight this disease or any disease, there's always a way back. You can always fight a way, a way back, and it's life after all the bad moments that you experience. I could have shown a lot of people. I can give a lot of people strength that, you know, going back and play, because it was against the odds. When I've told my professor that I'm going to go, bear in mind, then I was playing an 84, 85 kilos. End of my treatment, I was 139 kilos. Now imagine the effort that I've put in a year and a half, I said, before I broke the news that actually... I'm going to go back in a preseason. I need to go back to about 92, 93 kilos before actually thinking going back. 
So for that one and a half years, I've put everything. And again, you've got to say you're naive because you've put your, first of all, your body under a lot of stress, your mind under a lot of stress. But I was doing it because there's a bigger picture out there. It wasn't just about me anymore. It's about, about football. It's about showing people that fight this disease, that they can go through it, and it's a life afterwards. And, you know, I was nearly there. I was nearly there. I didn't ask for money. didn't ask for a contract. I just had for chance. They've made that decision very lightly, way too quickly, without really explaining it to me. And, you know, at that time, when you say, you know, you don't get tired at that time, I was tired from, from naivety from the club and the people that made the decision because they didn't see the bigger picture. They didn't see, even if I didn't play all season and come out and play, it was going to be a great moment for everybody who fight this disease. But they didn't realize that. They probably still don't see it, which is, which is a shame, to be honest. But, you know, I don't have any... I don't hold any had thoughts or had regrets, you know, they've, they needed to make a decision. They've made it. Uh, I'm disappointed, still disappointed, and it always will be. I've passed it now, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I'm move, moved on and, you know, I'll always support this club. But, you know, it's it, it was a bigger picture there and they didn't see it. But maybe your calling, Stillian, is the work you're doing now in your foundation to raise awareness and to raise money for the treatment of this disease? Uh, yes, it's uh, something me and my wife uh, started um, f four years ago. Um, we've, um, we decided to do that because as a family, not just as a father and mother and two kids, as a family, we went through a lot. And we know how difficult it is. We try to raise the awareness. We try to raise funds for the research. We try to raise funds for families by helping in a different ways. By saying that, we help a lot of families mentally as well. It's not just financial support, mental support as well. You'll be surprised how many people get in touch with us about how they can live their life again. What is the way forward? Because they don't know, they're lost. Mentally, they're lost. People find it difficult. You know, some people hide that they had cancer. They don't want to tell their bosses they had cancer because they think that it's 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 really embarrassing and they won't be hired again, which is really sad to see. That thing is like a plug. You know, they think that is is something that should not be shared. Here's your free plug time. If people listening are struggling with this form of cancer or any other form of cancer, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, that we all the social media still in Petro Foundation. Um, you can get in touch with us by uh, uh, every social media. We've got Twitter, we've got Instagram, Facebook, uh, we've got a, a, a website, and uh, you are always welcome. We are there to help. We are there to help with everything we can. Just finally, Stillian, it's an extraordinary story, and it's brought me close to tears talking to you. If people are going through a similar journey, what's your message to them? Message is is very simple. Um, not many words. Believe, fight, and always know that when you go through battle like that, 
you're going to encourage other ones to survive and you're going to let other people live their life as well. It's either a newborn kid or an older person because by us beating it, give a chance to everybody else to beat as well. Stylian Petrov, many thanks for joining me on The Sporting Couch. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to On The Sporting Couch, a programme that's tried to give a flavour of what goes on between therapist and client in clinic. I hope the show will encourage anyone going through a tough time to seek help. And there are some useful links on the TalkSport website. Have a look at talksport.com forward slash sporting dash couch. I'm Gary Bloom and my guest in the studio has been former Aston Villa and Celtic player Stylian Petrov. That's all for now and please remember... There's no such thing as good health without good mental health. Goodbye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.